Jack Clark puts one in the middle. Oh, yes! put it there! Yes! yes! It's done! To the What the Folk Sunderland Review Show. It wasn't just a good Friday for Sunderland, it was a bloody great Friday for Sunderland. And forget about Jesus rising from the dead. Today's all about Nathan Broadhead rising from the home, Jack Clock's cross, and giving us a last gasp winner for the lads to chalk up. Another massive three points as they defeated Shrewsbury Town 3 2 at the Stadium Light. And I promise I didn't write all that down and just read it from a piece of paper, but I definitely did. Um, Plenty to dig into, but before we do, obviously I'm going to introduce you to today's guests, as always. Dave Lawrence joins us to review today's win. Dave, how are you keeping, mate? You all right? Yeah, very well, mate. Very well, thank you very much. Good, good, good. And last but not least, Sunderland Central Scotland supporters banned social media, man, which is really hard to say. Danny Pugh joins us. Danny, how are you doing, mate? You okay? Yeah, very well as well, thanks. Glad to be back. Good. Yeah, especially after a win. I considering your debut was that 5-1 <laughs> defeat against Rotherham, which I always remind you of, but... Um, Dan, I'm going to come straight to you, mate. I'll, I'll stick with you since I'm with you. Um, we're about four or five hours after full time. Uh, obviously, any win of any magnitude is massive at this stage. But again, massive relief, massive win. How are you feeling about the game? Yeah, I think relief's, relief's the one uh, word to describe, isn't it? Um, it was just, it was a weird day. I mean, I, obviously, we, we spoke this morning, so I knew it was coming on. And after 20 minutes, I was like, this is going to be this is going to be a good one. I've got loads of things I'm going to say about the playing. And then the next 70 minutes, I guess, well, a bit less than that, it was crap. <laughs> but then, you know, last minute, you get the winner, you get the three points. So relief is the word. So, yeah, it's been an up, uh, an up and down day. What? Not really like a roller coaster of a game because it, it just seemed to be a bit nothing. Like, it just seemed to happen. But then... Uh, as I said, three points at the end of the day is all that matters. So, yeah, over the moon, to be honest. Yeah, ultimately, I think I realised a while ago that I think that the points are the most important, but you're right in what you're saying. I felt like, I mean, maybe we weren't as bad as maybe we feel like we were for the period in between. I think Alex Neal said it was, but it was the best and worst. And I think when you're not winning and you're chucking away a game, you do sometimes feel like that first 20 minutes was the only good thing we did. But I think it was that kind of weird gap in the middle, the 20 minutes, before, for me, about 15 minutes before half time, And like, 15 minutes afterwards we were just like that was the worst of Sunderland and I felt like the start was the best and the end was close to the best but but Dave I'll, I'll grab your opinion um obviously I imagine it's similar but but what are your thoughts on it yeah I mean it's quite nice to have a manager who comes out and holds us to a standard really isn't it um mm-hmm. and I, I think that's what it is you know kind of through hooker by crook, you should be you should be managing a game when you're tuning up. Really, you shouldn't be letting anyone, especially somewhere like the Stadium of Light, you know. But it's one of them. We did let them back in, and then you've you. To be honest, it's this time of year that you want to be thankful for just getting over the line, showing a bit of grit, showing a bit of determination. There's no need to be playing pretty football. I mean, even though, like Alex Nails alluded to, we, we did play some really nice football in the first half. Um, the simple fact of the matter is we've we shot ourselves in the foot. 
and then we've showed the character and resolved to go and get the win. So, listen, there's going to be plenty, plenty of twists and turns if we can uh, sneak over the line into the playoffs, which I hope we can now. Hopefully we've got a bit of momentum and, and stuff. Um, and that type of character is never a bad thing, going into, going into three cup finals in the, in the playoffs if you get there anyway. It's funny, like, I think we touched on this a few weeks ago. I can't remember what game it was after. I think it was after the, the crew game, actually. So before this kind of run of last-minute winners, and I think we kind of all universally agreed that we haven't watched Wigan this season, apart from the times that we've played Wigan and beat them. And yet somehow we were like, oh, winning the last minute when it was like still potentially automatics. And you're thinking, why don't we do that? Oh, that's kind of what you want. I don't think any of us actually looked at the performance that Wigan put in. We just went, oh, they won again, done it late again, done it again. And the teams around us are going to be doing that. The teams around us are not going to be able to bank on us dropping points at the minute because they'll have that fear that, but what if the score again in the last minute? And I know he's not here, but um, last minute winners are very much a a hallmark, aren't they, of Roy Keane Sunderland of 2007-2008. And we touched on, um, God rest his soul, Liam Miller's goal against Derby uh, far too long ago now for my liking and how important that was in that particular championship winning team. And I think just racking goals up like that just is massive. And I think you kind of forget about the performance. I was far more frustrated with Charlton and Lincoln than I have been any of these games that won in the last minute. And yet the performances were probably far better against Lincoln and Charlton. Far, far better against Lincoln, in fact. But I'm going off on a tangent. Basically, what I'm saying is I, I'm pretty happy that was decent. Um, Dave, I'll, I'll stick with you on this one. But I think, you know, like what's kind of touched, I think you can maybe split the game into three parts. It's probably three different parts we could dig into and give three different kind of opinions on it. But we'll start with the opening sort of 15, 20 minutes. I think Alex Neal said he thought the first 40 minutes today actually was the most fluid he thought we'd, we'd passed. And the way that we played, he said there wasn't too many touches on the ball and it was fast distribution, I think, which is what we all kind of want to see. But forgetting what came afterwards, how good do you think we were, Dave, in that first sort of opening 15 to 20 minutes? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to argue with, isn't it? I mean, 2-0 up, everything going your way ball moving about and it's it's almost it's that it's that game management type of thing that you need isn't it do when you tune up I suppose if you're massively in the ascendancy then yes you you try and turn the screw so to speak if um, and it did happen didn't it Shrewsbury did start coming back a little bit through our own sloppiness I think we'll admit it wasn't necessarily a case that Shrewsbury picked up a gear we you know maybe he's got a little bit lax and stuff like that and maybe you just then need someone, dare, dare I say it, someone just to come on and pass the ball sideways, pass the ball backwards, just kind of, you know, we've got we've got a player who's quite good at that apparently. Uh, where's Brad at when you need him? Uh, where is he? <laughs> you know, I'm, you, you certainly shouldn't be making changes, but you would hope that the people that you've got on the pitch are, are good enough to, to notice that the game's just slightly swaying. Can we can we throw ourselves over in the corner and shit house a free kick and just stop the momentum a little bit? Can we, you know, can we take a foul somewhere in a non-dangerous part of the pitch? Yeah, maybe it's just a little bit more street street craft. And and I suppose someone who's been playing professional football for 20 years probably knows that better than someone who's been playing professional football for five, you know. Um, But yeah, overall, the first third, 2-0 up inside, what was it, 15 minutes, I suppose? Yeah, you like like Dan said earlier, you, you're thinking you're on for a very, very good day, really, don't you? Um 
how football changes. No. And, and and like I was saying there, Dan, I've got to be honest, and I think anyone listening will hopefully agree with me here, but a game of football is 90 minutes or 95 or 96 in someone's <laughs> case. But um, And you want to put in a good 90-minute perform, performance because 20 minutes doesn't really matter. 40 minutes is, is nowhere near long enough to play well. But if we're looking at positives first and foremost from it, outside of just the fact that we got three points, I think Alex Neal's probably right in saying those first, for me, especially the first 20, 25, but those first 40 minutes were probably the best we've played, at least under him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he's maybe stretching it a bit, saying 40. I don't, I don't think the last 10, 15, 20, even the first half was that good. Um, but certainly the first, the first 15, absolutely, it was really good. And, and the goals, while they weren't necessarily... Um, I suppose the second one was like good passing moves. Obviously, the first one was from the free kick. But um, what I liked about it was it was it was just confidence and mature. And uh, I think Dave said it before, but you know, if you're not going to win these games at five nil by the end of it, this time of the year, you just need to win. But at the, at the first twenty minutes, it felt like it was going to be a five nil because there were some really good performances and just some real confidence and a bit of swagger. Without really like, you know, we weren't necessarily peppering the goal, but they just wouldn't get in the ball and we were just so confident moving it around and it was slick. And even with people playing in different positions that you maybe never thought, like Embleton, I thought was really good in that first 20 minutes, just where he sat in um, on the ball, but his maturity, he kind of did a bit of a, a bit of a Pritchard and not, not, not in the sense of, you know, his creativity, but it just seems to be that he had a bit of leadership about him today, which I've not seen before. I've been a bit of a critic of him, but I just liked his maturity and he was just getting back, filling the gaps in, picking, picking balls out, but getting the free kicks down and just playing quick balls, you know, pretty kind of sensible stuff. So, um, yeah, I think under Neil, that's because obviously he's he's cleaned up at the back, which he had to do. But I think today he had a bit of sight in terms of, you know, here's some attack and movement, some kind of possession play that we can actually play and just moving the ball around with confidence. So, um, yeah, hopefully he can, they can keep, keep that going a bit more and just actually make it a bit more threatening because I did think we didn't really threaten that much despite all the good play we were doing. Um, but yeah, certainly certainly a, a good step forward for some of the stuff he's obviously been able to work with them on. I think it's, um, I agree with you and I, I think he was stretching a bit with the first 40, if I'm completely honest. I think the first, at least the first 20, 25, I thought we were really good. Um, and you're touching Elliot Embleton there. Obviously, the goal's going to get the headlines, and, and rightly it should. I think he's already won goal of the season, but he's just he's he's beaten it. If I'm honest, because that was an absolute sublime. I'm like, pie eat your heart out. That was it was an absolute beauty. Um, touching away from from Embleton's goal, which was brilliant. I, I don't think anyone will disagree with us on that. I'll stick with you, Danny. But he played a really big part in Blackpool's promotion last season, to the frustration of us, I suppose, in many ways. And Whilst it hasn't always been a starter for us, he kind of sometimes comes on and changes games, and like he did on Saturday against um, Oxford, he came on today. Eh, sorry, started today. He got a goal again, but a lot of the time recently, especially, he hasn't really started. He's been someone that would be like a an impact sub. But I looked at his his stats. He scored seven goals and he's got seven assists, which if you told me at the start of the season, I would have been absolutely delighted with. Um, He's starting to really show quality in the final third and quality in his passing. And you're touching his maturity there as well. I've wrote that down as well here. Um, how important do you think Embleton's quality could be, his attitude that he seems to have at the moment, and also his experience of winning the playoffs come the end of the season? Yeah, I, I, I think that's going to be really important. You can't you know, rule out what he went through with Blackpool last year. And actually, that's a good asset for us to have. Um, you know, should, should we get there? Um, and I, I think we've always known he's got the technical ability and obviously the versatility with his two feet and stuff. But 
today I was I just like I said I really enjoyed his his positional play as well as his his technique um, his maturity and and I think he did you know take it on his shoulders to think you know I am the creative outlet in this team even though he was playing deeper but obviously he must have been told you know that he can do that um, and I think he's he's hopefully he's got the confidence obviously the last three games have been great for him you know he's probably well he has made an impact in all three games if not man the match in all three even though he's not played 90 minutes in all of them but um, you can't take that away from him and, and, and hopefully that you know he's now saying you know to Neil he's, he's got to be playing you know first name on the team sheet every week at the minute because he's in that confidence and I guess we've not seen enough of him to know if he's a confidence player because he's never really had an extended run really other than the start of the season when he when he was good um, but you know, I would hope to think, you know, I know he got took off today, but that was purely tactical. I'd imagine I don't think there was anything to do a reflection on him. But uh, yeah, his he, hopefully his his position in the team, the time he's been at the club, um, plus Dennis' experience last year, last year, like you said, can can have a positive impact on the lads who maybe haven't been in this position or won't be in this position if we do get there. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping he stays because I I've been on and off with him, hot and cold with him all season. There's some games I just he really frustrates me. I don't really get what he does um but i'm you know happy to take my words because i've been really really impressed with him so hopefully he keeps it up and, and the rest of them can kind of can kind of follow suit i feel really similar about embo i think there's a few times people could probably if you search back in my twitter you'll find things where i've really really critiqued them but um i've said this before on the show if people make me eat my words i'm happy with it and i honestly think he's really maturing um and i'm certain when he comes on or when he starts to be like he's the man that can make a difference, which is how I feel about the likes of Pritchard and how I feel about the likes of Broadhead, which is a massive compliment to him, really. Um, Dave, there's another player I wanted to come on to with you. This is maybe a controversial opinion because I'm aware that people tend to really quite like him, but Jay Matei, um, I'll be open and honest, the past couple of weeks, he's kind of annoyed us when he's played because he's lost the ball directly after he's won it and, and I see everyone thinking he's great he's brilliant and I'm kind of going am I seeing something different here because first few weeks I was like oh I like him and stuff like that however talking about me my words I thought he had a good game today yes a couple of misplaced passes but I'm beginning to see what I like about Matete is he's got a bit of a swagger he gets stuck in he tries to think of the forward pass and yes it's not always perfect but I suppose he's only 20 um, I think I'm starting to swing it to the thought process that Jamie Tete is actually quite a decent player that might just make a couple of dodgy passes because of his age and his inexperience. But I think ultimately we sat on the show and talked about how big of a sign and Jermaine Defoe could be. He was now retired, Dave, um, if, if anyone forgot. Um, and Jamie Tete kind of came in sort of under the radar in a way in many ways, but he's become quite an important player, Dave, hasn't he? Just for his, his energy on the pitch, I think. Yeah, I think... Um... Go, going back all them years ago, we we uh, when we first came into this uh, godforsaken league, to say the very least. Even then, when we had Lee Barry and and whoever else we had playing centre midfield, the one thing that we said was we needed some energy. We needed someone who got about. Who kind of we had the people who had been there, done that, got the t-shirt, but maybe the legs were starting to go from underneath them. I think it's safe to say that Matete's legs aren't gone from beneath him. He, he's very much at the other end. Um, you can understand the, and I think you can understand both points, of why there was championship clubs sniffing around him. And I think there was even talk of lower-end Premier League clubs sniffing around him. 
And you can understand why, because the fundamentals of what he does is very good. I'd imagine his running stats are very high. I'd imagine his high pressing is very good in terms of what a coach looks for. But also the reason that he probably didn't go to them clubs and looks as though he's been probably well advised is he needs to learn his trade. He needs to learn exactly what to do, when to do it. And playing League One football at the age of 20, and you know, I think, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's played something like 50 games at League One level. Yeah, he's played um, a lot for Fleetwood, yeah. It's not a bad it's not a bad start to your career, really. Um, and obviously, he knows he's at a club where there is every chance he'll be playing championship football next year. And um, again, it, he'll be an integral part of the team because of his statistics on paper. And, and certainly... There's been a few comments I understood. It certainly would have been so under Alex, uh, sorry, under Lee Johnson. We all know how much he loved a bit of data analysis. But I think Alex Neil's, uh, <laughs> I think Alex Neil, without telling us all about data analysis, is probably just as um, just as important to him. So, yeah, he, he is kind of a little bit frustrating and he, he's got to learn when to do it and what's the right pass at the right time. But... Yeah, I, I, when I first saw him, I thought his first three games for us, considering we were, I, the first three games he played for us, I think we were particularly shy. I can't remember what those first three games were. Cheltenham, Wimbledon, MK Dons. There you go. Um, he actually looked like a bit of a shining light amongst a bit of doom and gloom, really. So, um, yeah, now that the whole team's on form, yes, you're possibly missing out, missing out a little bit, or missing... Sorry, that's a lie. You're not missing at all. You're seeing the mistakes more because everybody else is kind of stepping up a little bit more. Yeah. Like Dan and Hughes alluded to, Embleton all of a sudden coming good and, and making match-winning contributions, basically. So, yeah, we probably are noticing the mistakes a little bit more. But, hey, you know, if he gets them out of your system, I think there's a good player in there eventually. Yeah, so do I. I think I've maybe a bit harsh in the past few weeks because when I watched him today and... I, just, I, I do like his energy and I do like what he brings to the midfield. And I like the fact that he tries to play in the front foot. I think I just have to remember he's a 20-year-old. I came from Fleetwood and to massively different pressure. And, and I think I kind of realised that today um, watching the game. And I thought, you know what, actually this kid's really quite decent and, and has got so much room to grow that he could be a real asset in, in the years to come. Um, obviously, we're going to have to touch on it, Dan. There was, as we touched on it before, as much as we're buzzing about the win, there was a big, massive pile of crap in the middle of it. Um, I, I think from about, sort of, especially 50 minutes after half time, which shows with the goals, we really struggled. And, and I thought, sure, we could feel maybe a bit hard done by if I'm completely honest by that last minute winner, because I thought they, I thought they played well as bad as we were. Um, Alex Neal said he felt like we were bullied in the game. I'm going to agree with him on that. I think they just changed how they played and probably got a bit of an earful from Tom Flanagan and said, do this, do that, do the other. But why do you think we threw that two-goal lead away after playing so well in that opening 20, 25 minutes? Yeah, it's a, it's a weird one to, to, think, to think of why, because, I mean, the end of the first half wasn't good. And I the, the games I've seen under Neil, I've always thought that we've always actually started the second half decent mm-hmm. enough, no matter what the, the score's been, because you would think that he's given them a bollock and a half time, which we know he's probably got it in him. So I assumed they would come out, you know, no, with the same kind of uh, attitude they did at the start of the game, purely because the last bit of the first half was crap. But 
it looked it looked like we didn't really do that, and I, I don't really know. I don't really know what happened. I mean, the first goal it just seemed to be. We know we're not defensively sound, despite all the clean sheets we've had. But with the, with the system we play and the players playing the positions, but yet, I I think it was just I think it was just Shrewsbury just trains, like I said, whether it was someone like Flannel saying it or just the, them themselves saying, look, these aren't yeah we're two 0 down, but these aren't that good yet. So you know, let's just shift how we play and get at them and, and see what happens because. You know, you know, we started dragging Winchester around. That we weren't tracking the, the runners, and yeah, it could be a physicality thing. But I just think, I think we just kind of lost our focus a bit, and I don't know if that's because it was two nil or or we didn't really get the halftime ball. And because we were being up two nil, you know, it's a weird one. So I think the the lads just, I mean that. The first one you could have said there was a foul, but really it wasn't really didn't really affect the players. I don't think it mattered that too much. And then the second one is just you know that probably is just a bit of physicality in the box and the lose. I don't know who it was, Mark and Flanagan. Um, I think on nine was the closest one that I saw, but they just seem to lose lose the heads and just lose the concentration. I think. And then with the with the players that we've got, when they lose the concentration because of the system we play and the players that are kind of plugging gaps, as in you know Circan and Winchester playing kind of centre house and a three. If you don't if you're not 100% focused on it, you will get caught out even at League One because you're leaving gaps open that the other teams will get into. So I think it was a combination of us maybe being a bit complacent, maybe them just thinking actually, you know, there's, there's something in here for us. And, you know, all of a sudden, blink of an eye, it's 2-2, which I didn't ever see coming at the time of it being, you know, 2-0. So struggling to put a finger on what it was other than just maybe just heads in the clouds a little bit and just a bit kind of like, not really focusing on what they're doing or the discipline dropped a bit. Um, and, you know, I was just reading some of those on Twitter there, saying people saying how, you know, with Corey Evans coming on, that all actually stopped, which, you know, for whether you love him or hate him, is it did actually make a difference. And whether that would have made, I mean, not that he would have made that sub at half time, I'm not suggesting that, but, um, you know, it was, that did, that did need to be done, something like that, because there was, the kind of organisation was not there for whatever reason, despite it being there in the first half. I felt like we got really sloppy before half time and I put a lot of it down to that. I was like, there was misplaced passes going everywhere and like knocking the ball out and Gucci trying to get round his man and end up rebounding the ball off his own bloody feet. And that stopping seemed to take us in and it's, and it's frustrating. I suppose ultimately it doesn't matter, but we're doing a, a match review here. So obviously we need to touch on it. Um, one thing I will touch on w- with yourself, Dave. Um, Anyone who's listened to the show throughout the year will know I was not a big fan of Lee Johnson. And I've noticed I start saying it after like every single podcast now, even though he's long gone. But if if you can take my dislike of Lee Johnson as Sunderland manager and put it as love for Alex Neal as Sunderland manager, they're probably in equal measure. I just really like that kind of manager. And, and, and again, another Alex Neal post-match, another impressive post-match again for me. And, and he seems to nail it every single week. For me... He definitely suits the personality type that I think we like as the majority of Sunderland fans. You know, the Sam Allardyce, the, the Roy Keane, the Peter Reid, the straight talking, no nonsense, you know, no bollocks kind of personality, which I think we like. We like straight talkers. But I think he's also really tactically astute. Like he was talking today about like how he didn't need to change the shape. And, and I really liked how he discussed it because Lee Johnson or even other managers, not just Lee Johnson, would have probably had about half an hour on pitch personalities. He just went, I didn't need to change it. This was the problem. And this is why I didn't do this. This is what we should have done. And it just made total sense. Um, a few weeks ago, Dave, a few people suggested that we shouldn't have sacked Lee Johnson. 
and that it wasn't Lee Johnson that was at fault for these results and stuff like that. I'm not going to ask you if you agree with that or disagree with that. What I want to ask is how much more confident or not confident are you that with Alex Neal at the helm, we can actually get that holy grail of promotion? I think, I think what we're seeing with Alex Neal is exactly what you need from a, from a manager. Um, Tactically, I mean, yes, he is he is speaking very well, and I think almost speaking how a lot of our fan base think at the time, you know, kind of coming out and saying, "Yeah, we've won the game," but to be fair, we were pretty shit today. Fair comment, you know that. But we we pay our money. We watch out. We watch us week in week out. We know when we played well. We know when we played badly. Um, one thing that I've noticed is I think under Johnson. We under a few managers actually, we've always been one dimensional. Mm-hmm. Um, like my biggest gripe last season when um Mr. Charlie White got 30 goals was like after he's got 30 goals, who else in the side is gonna step up if he's injured, if he's not there, blah de blah. And I think the next player after 30 goals was probably something like seven. If I'm not mistaken, it was led better it's, last season, one, and he was on penalty duty, obviously. So, like, it, yeah. and that's that's like madness. And and let's be honest, what was it? If I'm not mistaken, out of Charlie White's 30 goals, it was something like 23 that were off one touch, um, with a quite a few being his head. Now, in the last five games that we've played, I believe we've got 13 points from 15. Mm-hmm. And Ross Stewart hasn't scored. There's a stat. And I just think that shows you... And Ross Stewart's been playing. So I just think it shows you that, OK, listen, Ross Stewart's suddenly become a marked man. He's the leading goal scorer in the league. And OK, teams are stopping him from scoring, but they're not going to stop us as a team from scoring. And I think little little bits like that just show you how astute he is. And, and I've got I've got time for that. Of course, and again, it shows you the confidence in himself because he said when he when he came and signed a contract with Sunderland, listen, I'm not a League One manager. I don't want to be at this level. And there's probably, out of the other 23 clubs in this league, I probably wouldn't be here if I'm honest. But this club, yeah, I want to, I want to do it because... They're too big for this. I'm too big for this. It just seems like a good fit to me. So, yeah, I've got all the time in the world for him at the minute. And and every time I hear him speak, he just gives me that little bit more confidence. Going into Oxford last week, I just... It's one of them where... I, and I said it under Parkinson. I said it under Johnson. There was games I was like, we'd, we'd been on the back of good runs, 11 undefeated or whatever, however you want to describe it. And I just thought... Yeah, this is fine yet. This is the turning point. Parkinson does not lose this game there. And then all of a sudden we get hounded 3 0. And it's like, what on earth has just happened there? We, we're on the back of an 11 game unbeaten run. And I suppose all in all, it just shows you that they were really shite managers. And yeah, Alex Neil, you know, we weren't brilliant against Oxford. He told us he got it wrong. We still won. Hey, for the next seven games, if we include three playoff games, I couldn't care how shite we play if we win 1-0, 2-1. Couldn't care less. No, I'm exactly the same. I'm, I'm so impressed with them. Like, 
it's been a long time since I've like loved the manager this much. I don't know if that's my I live in Glasgow, so I'm very, very biased by his personality. <laughs> um, but he's just I like the fact that you touched on Oxford there, he came out against Oxford and he was like, oh, I made a mistake there. Like he's not just the kind of manager that just says it straight and puts his plays under the bus. He just he's just dead honest across the board and tactically astute as well. Because we can all be honest, I guess. But like when you get the results on the pitch and that as well, I'm just uh, I mean, the long story short is I really like him. Please don't let me down because it's now recorded, Alex. Um we've got sort of 10 minutes or so left to discuss it. So I'll I'll touch on a couple of quick negatives here. Um I'll come to you with this one, Dan. Um I'll be honest, I didn't hear it on the stream and, and I hate having any negatives towards fans or the fan base. Um, but allegedly one of our players was booed onto the pitch, and I think that was Corey Evans. I can't confirm it. I didn't hear it on the stream. I missed today because of working and forgot we were playing on a Friday. Stop doing that. Um, otherwise, I would have been there. But apparently it was quite loud. If true, and I'm not Corey Evans' biggest fan, um, it's simply not on, is it, Dan, really, booing someone onto the pitch? No, it's not. Um, I didn't hear it either, but I, I, I've seen it on, on, on social media as well. What I did hear was, or what I thought I heard was when Gucci's number went up to go off, I felt like I heard a cheer for that. And that, not necessarily booing, but a cheer that his number was up. I can't remember. I suppose it was, must be Roberts that replaced him, was it? It um, was. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, whether, you, you, whether you're cheering a sub going off or booing them, I mean, booing them coming on is, I mean, you, you just know you're setting yourself up for for because you're just shooting yourself, you're just waiting for it to backfire because, like I say, Evans come on. And to Venice, what, what is the reason for booing him? Because he's actually been decent the last couple of games and probably had done to that. The only reason he didn't play today would have been because it's Shrewsbury and Neil probably thought, right, possession. That's why I'll drop Embo in there. But, yeah, I mean, as a fan base, you know, especially with it when it's hard enough when other people, you know, give the fan base abuse, you know, not to give them any airtime on here, but, you know, previous owners with what they said or, you know, even just other fans. But, when we're kind of getting it from each other because you're hearing things like that, it just it just doesn't make sense to me. I don't I don't understand how that's any way um, you know contributing to the team. I, I get okay, you pay your money, you go, you can do what you want. That that mindset to a certain extent, but it just seems illogical to me. The lad, if the booing people come on, that person literally has done nothing for you to do at in this moment in time, so it makes no sense to do it. Um, and he's been bringing on to try and impact the game. And if you're doing that, you know, you're possibly negatively impacting him, which then for is negatively going to impact the game. So it's so counterproductive. I don't understand it. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not a fan of that. But whether it, I think there's always one. There's always one pantomime villain, isn't there? Or at least one. But, well, we've had quite a few in the last couple of years. But, you know, I think at this point in time, it's the, OK, we can't, we can't do it to the manager. Because as we've been saying, Alex Neal's doing great, and generally, ninety-five percent of the team are doing pretty well. So let's just pick on the one because he stands out a bit because he's he's the captain and he's not necessarily a Lee Lee Catamull type captain. So let's just use him as a as a as the kind of scapegoat. But um, yeah, it's it's not on, um, and I, I I just I generally don't see what people think they're getting out of it. I don't understand it. Yeah, it didn't um, again. I, I didn't hear it, so forgive me if it didn't happen. Um, but it seemed to be a lot of people talking about it. Um, it I, I, you know, criticizing the player that's for podcasts and aftermaths of games such as mine. Um, and I'm not a massive fan of Corey Evans, but I think booing onto the pitch is a bit. Yeah, it's not. It's it's not for me. Like, um, I don't think 
take Jack Rodwell out of the equation. I don't think any or many Sunderland players have tried not to play well. Um, staying with Corey Evans, obviously got a couple more here because we've got six minutes left because as everyone knows, I'm too tight to pay for the unlimited Zoom. Um, you've been quite in praise of Corey Evans, Dave, in previous weeks when me and Brad probably haven't. Um, he scored last week. I actually thought he made a, a real huge difference today. I think he stopped the flow of them coming at us and turned the pitch around. Um, has Corey Evans' importance to Sunderland perhaps been misjudged by fans like myself? I don't necessarily... like. He definitely went off the boil. I keep referring to the injury that he had after six, eight games, whatever it was, and whether it was a change in tactics because he'd been missing for a good few weeks... Whatever it was, it, it definitely was different. Um, but yeah, a, a game like day where you you're trying to, you know, listen. Ultimately, we can we can see, and, and I think we are quite an intelligent fan base in gen. Maybe it's not general genuinely, but in terms of football sense, because um, I'm, I'm certainly I'm, not. I'm I'm very intelligent. You're <laughs> not, but I'm very intelligent. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he definitely offers something to the side. Now, yeah, okay, sometimes the game might look as though it's passing him by and stuff, but and he's he's maybe he's not the most vocal leader for being a captain and so on. But yeah, he, he they do have a role, you know. You can't just have a team full of people who want to bomb forward all the time and who want to make that forty-five yard diagonal pass. It, it it's gotta have a balance to it, you know. And there was a there was a, originally the people who kind of started going going through the, the quiet defensive midfield role, and yes, a lot better than Corey Evans ever has been and ever will be, but the likes of Makaleli and people like that, they were so important, and every team has one now, you know. Now, please don't, like, in the comments, I don't want to hear you say, oh, Dave's just compared Corey <laughs> Evans to Makaleli or N'Golo Kante, because he's not. No, <laughs> like, yeah, like what, what show is it where Phil compared him to Didier Deschamps? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We've compared him to so many quality <laughs> players. I'm starting to be like, am I giving him too much praise? <laughs> Someone we could pay maybe to a um, a Thierry Henry, potentially, Nathan Broadhead. Um, <laughs> I, I'll give you the, the final sort of word on this, time because we've got three minutes left and I'm sweating. Um, we asked this only a few weeks ago, but just how important is Nathan Broadhead to, to keep him fit? He's got 10 goals in 20 games. That's a goal a game, I think. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, no, it's massive. Um, and I, I think Dave alluded to earlier, you know, with the, the run we're on, with Stuart not scoring and we're still winning. I know he's not scored all the goals, but we do, if he, we do need him to contribute. And that's, you know, two a day, two really good different finishes. And he wasn't really necessarily in the game today. And, and I suppose, you know, as the cliches goes, that's a sign of a good striker. He wasn't really affecting the game or in, in too much, but he took the chances when he got them. Um, so... Uh, as much as Stuart's been, a, you know, the, the star man leading the season, it's important that they both stay fit for the rest, of the, the rest of the season. And I think Broder just offers something different. Um, and I think their commentary said it. You know, he sniffs the goal out, and you know that first one, just right place at the right time. But then also just the confidence and the technique to take it on. Um, and the second one was just, I guess, a bit like the one he scored the last uh, at Gilling, the one the week there. That header just kind of drifted off the man, kind of last minute, Gilling, snuck yeah. in there. So, yeah. He's clinical. He's he's got some about him. He's a confident lad. So yeah, you just hope he stays fit, and I'm I'm sure he will. That 
the, the longer he stays fit, the better, the more we'll see of him for the for the rest of the season. Actually, you know, I, I think because of the injuries he's had, he's he's got a lot more to kind of to kind of fire in for for the the last um, few weeks. So yeah, it's, it is important because we do need that other outlet uh, and that other goal scoring kind of threat. That, that you know, Stuart will get back on it. There's no way Stuart's not going to get back on it for the last few games. But Broad is just there to to kind of take the burden off him as well, which is really really useful. Yeah, it's massive. Um, right, as as it as it is, we won three two. We won the last minute again. It was great. Um, they've compared uh, Corey Evans to Claude McAuley, <laughs> um, and, and I can't put it any better than that. Um, that will be the title of the podcast. But happy Easter, everyone. Uh, hopefully, we continue this. Maybe not last minute win. Just a win would be fine on on Monday against Plymouth, which is obviously a massive, massive game. But um, praise Jesus, because someone's obviously looking down on us. And enjoy the rest of your uh, your Easter weekend, and hopefully Monday as well. Dave, thanks very much. Dan, thanks very much. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys.